that I had a uh, bleeding ulcer due to my alcoholism, and I was only 19 years old. I'm Michelle Edwards. I'm the author of a novel called Chronicle of Endings, but I want to continue the conversation. It's a conversation about the different endings we face across the course of our lives, and ultimately about all the beginnings that open up after. I want to speak to men because men don't always have the place or the permission to talk openly about their difficulties the way women do. But I want to speak to women too, because we are all the same human beings trying to navigate the same universal human experiences. Mostly, through these interviews, I want to have the opportunity to speak directly and openly with you. Each guest's experiences will allow you to reflect on your own about the endings you have faced and the ones you are yet to face, the mindset and actions which brought these people through their difficult times will, in turn, speak to you about your own. Because whether it's a novel, a podcast, or just two mates finally speaking about things that matter over a beer, words Words have the power to change people, to change their lives, to change yours. So, can we talk? Um, My name is Shira and I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico in the United States of America. And what was your ending? Um, my ending was my unhealthy relationship with alcohol. How did your relationship with alcohol start and how did it end? So my relationship with alcohol, um, started and ended pretty quickly. I was lucky in that sense. I started drinking, I think I might've been about 14 years old, maybe, um, 13. I remember the first time I tried alcohol was in junior high and I was with some friends and we had, there was like five of us and there was one glass of, um, one glass that had probably 80% orange juice and 20% vodka. And we were all taking sips of it. And I think they were all pretending they were drunk because I didn't feel anything. And I felt like this was dumb and this was a waste of time. And then um, about a year later in freshman year of high school is when I really um, discovered what drinking could feel like. And I had um, had the older kids introduce me to, um, I don't know if you guys have those over there, but they're the 40 ounce beer. They're like malt liquor and they're very large. (laughs) And so I had these, um, 
these older kids teach me that uh, when you drink one of those, you have to chug it and finish it all in one go. You're not allowed to just sip on it um, because then you're a huge wimp. So I chugged it all in one go and um, got very drunk very fast. Um, I definitely blacked out. I had to be um, like carried home, you know, like leaning on the shoulder, like carried home essentially. Um, And at one point on my way home, because we were walking home, the police officer rolled up and asked, you know, if everything was okay. And I, luckily he just kind of checked in on us and then let, let us go. But at that point, you know, I could have gotten a public intoxication. I was underage drinking, you know, there's lots of tickets I could have gotten. I could have gotten in trouble. They could have taken me in. Um, there was a lot of what ifs and could haves um, that could have happened in that fir- very first night. Um, so I got home safe. I was okay. I avoided jail. I avoided, you know, getting hurt in some way. And um, I woke up the next morning and wanted to do it again. I mean, I, I feel like a someone who is not an alcoholic would look at a night like that and think, wow, that was really bad. A lot of narrow misses. Um, That was really out of control. I don't want to do that again. And me as an alcoholic was like, that was awesome. How can I get my hands on that? And how soon did you do it again? I think within the week, for sure. Um, By my sophomore year of high school, which was a year after that, um, I became known as the party girl and I had the party house. People would always come over to my house to drink and hang out. And, and, um, it, it just became my identity. Um, and at that age, I just thought, you know, that was cool and that was normal and that's what everybody did. And I didn't even consider like looking around at other kids and realizing that other people weren't acting like I was. Um, I just thought I was cooler than all of them. And this was my high school career, you know, and um, this was just who I was. And did it begin to affect your education? Oh, yeah, in a big way. Um, I was suspended from school twice for drinking on campus. Um, I was sleeping in all the time and missing my early classes um, because I would be, you know, up and and partying and doing stuff like that at night. Um, Weekdays, weekends didn't really matter. I didn't have any really respect or desire or care for school. Um, To me, it was just a means to find friends and, and to hang out with. So it was just something that fed my social need more than anything else. So I did not prioritize the academic side at all. Um, I barely graduated high school. Um, my GPA was not good. Um, I had a lot of low grades. Um, and, that 
again, was something I thought this is just who I am. I'm not good at school. I'm just social. I'm just a partier. I had all these rationales for all my behavior. But you were compelled to drink too much and too regularly. Yes. Um, And that is something that is deeply ingrained in me. And after, you know, this amount of time of being sober, I, I now know that it, it's more about disconnecting from reality and checking out than the alcohol itself. Um, so it's more about pushing down my feelings, pushing down what's, whatever is going on, if there's any discomfort, um, if there's too much of any emotion, happy, sad, excitement, any emotion is too much for me. And I have this instinct to find something to shove it down so it doesn't overwhelm me. Yeah. I know when you are a young person, high school can be really hard. Your hormones, your emotions, you know, having to learn how to navigate all those things can be really hard. So I can understand that it would be an easy trap to fall into as a young person. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And to find something for me that took all of that fear, insecurity, and discomfort away in an instant was a solution for me. It was, I I felt like I had discovered the answer and I didn't understand why no one else was doing the same thing. (laughs) So what did rock bottom look like when you were drinking? Um, Yeah, so I went to college um, and my first semester of college, um, you know, as I look back, the way I drank in high school was how most people drink in college. And so when I got to college, I told myself, okay, now you can really start drinking, Um, which, you know, I'd already been at the college level for a few years. And so to push it further, uh, was risky. So, um, I started drinking, um, in high school, it was, it was definitely, you know, a couple of weekdays here and there, but, um, but it was primarily on the weekends. And then in college it became, you know, well, Monday night we have this, so I need to drink for that. And then Tuesday night we have this, so I need to drink for that. And then maybe I'll take Wednesday off, but then Thursday, I just had this constant rationale and I was drinking more and more and more. Um, I also joined a sorority. Um, and actually the sorority I joined, um, was part of what really saved my life. Ironically, they, you know, they have a bad rap of being, you know, just all these drunk girls and everything, but, um, but, uh, they actually had talked to me a few times about my drinking. Um, and they, I actually, um, you know, sororities, they have like presidents and vice presidents. And at one point I got pulled in front of the panel and told that, you know, I was not, I was not representing them appropriately. And, um, you know, basically getting lectured that I'm about to get suspended from a sorority for drinking too much. And, you know, that's, pretty bad on its own. (laughs) Um, 
so I got to a point where I would be getting ready to go out every night. I would be doing my makeup and looking in the mirror and being like, please do not drink too much. The idea of not drinking just was unfathomable to me, but I still was like, maybe if I just have a few beers or one shot, or I I was just obsessed with, I just have to find the right formula. So, um, my bottom, uh, was, I went to a, uh, frat party. Um, again, another near miss, uh, I was, I'd been drinking all day, um, there was some, you know, I kept coming up with all these excuses to drink. So, um, my sobriety date is February 9th, February 7th. Um, I decided to drink all day because I heard on the radio that it was Garth Brooks birthday, who is a recording artist out here who I don't even listen to or care about, but I heard it was his birthday. So I rationalized it was time to celebrate his birthday. Um, And then the 8th, I found some other reason to drink all day. And then we went to a party that night. So I'd already been drinking for 12 hours by the time I got to the party. Um, And then people were handing me, you know, shots and all these things. And I got to a point, um, this was all told to me after the fact, because I was completely blacked out. I was with a friend of mine and we were dancing and he said that he saw in my eyes that I just disappeared just instantly. I wasn't there anymore. Um, so he took me to the bathroom cause I guess I said I had to throw up or something and he went to help me and, um, he was holding me up and he put his, he, he let go to turn around and I just collapsed, um, and hit my head on the bathtub and then hit my head on the toilet Um, and then I just started throwing up and unfortunately for me, throwing up was a constant, it was an every night thing when I drank. Um, but this time, I guess it was bad enough that my friends were scared and took me to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room and I started throwing up blood. Um, and then we found out through that, that I had a, uh, bleeding ulcer due to my alcoholism and I was only 19 years old. So between starting at 14 and ending at 19, I'd already done enough damage to my body that I had a bleeding ulcer from my alcoholism. That would be alarming. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Without shocked you into stopping? Not at first. Um, it, it was the last time I drank. Um, it, it was, I woke up that, you know, I woke up in the hospital and then I, I did not drink after that. But when I got home um, from the hospital, it was just kind of another funny war story to me. Um, and I had my roommate sit me down and tell me she no longer wanted to live with me, um, that it was too much and it was too hard on her. Um, we had got, become really close and she didn't want to keep watching me do this to myself. Um, 
I had, I had basically had these kind of individual conversations with people, um, kind of just calling to be like, Oh, wasn't last night funny. And all these people being like, no, Shira, none of that was funny. And you scared us to death and you don't get to keep doing this to yourself. And it was just kind of these hard conversations one after the other. And I started having these realizations of like, Oh, I, you know, maybe I crossed the line. Um, you know, but again, like not, I have to stop drinking. And then I called my mom and I told her what happened. And I still thought it was not that big of a deal. And, um, and my mom said, do you think you need help? And in my head, I was like, absolutely not. But my mouth said yes. And without me even realizing or comprehending what the power of me saying, yes, I need help was, um, both my parents had flown out um, and got me checked into an outpatient treatment center um, that was six months, like within days of me saying that. So I feel like before I even decided I was going to get sober, everything fell into line in front of me to open that up. Your mother must have been quite concerned and very on guard by that point in order to, as soon as the window of opportunity came where you were ready to move into action. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I, I see that um, in a lot of family members I, after I got sober, I I started working in treatment for about 15 years. And I saw that in the family members that waiting for the right moment, the right window and doing exactly what my family did. Like the moment someone says, yes, you have to act immediately before that yes turns into a no. And I imagine trying to do it a moment sooner than that is really hard it's it would be really hard to treat somebody who didn't want to stop and who didn't want to be treated exactly and i think with um alcoholism that most people don't even realize they have a problem they genuinely think you know i i do think that maybe people who have been sober for a while and started drinking again, or maybe if they went to treatment and started drinking again in the, in the back of their head, they know, like, you know, I think I have a problem. I I think, but I think before you hear that solution or you know about alcoholism, you genuinely believe there's nothing wrong and you're just missing some step. Like how I was just obsessed with finding, you know, I was like, well, maybe if I drink beer, before I have tequila, or maybe if I stop drinking tequila, because tequila is the problem. And maybe if I don't have vodka with rum, I mean, it was just the craziest obsession to figure out the right way to do it when it's like, no, the moment I have a sip of beer, I go zero to a hundred and I'm in a blackout, like within two hours. So what was it like for you to come into the treatment center and 
work through not drinking again? It was really bizarre. I, <laughs> I mean, again, I, I feel like I was just kind of, I was really scared that I was going to die. So in that time when I started the outpatient, I made a deal with myself and I said, okay, listen, like you're going to die if you keep doing this. Um, and you are going to have to stop and you're going to have to listen to these people and you're going to have to do what they tell you to do. And you're going to have to, you know, learn all this new stuff. And then I told myself that, um, you know, I just had to accept that I'm never going to be happy again. I'm never going to laugh. I'm never going to smile. I'm never going to enjoy anything ever again, but at least I'll be alive. And so I just have to sacrifice all of those things for sobriety. And I, I remember like having this chat with myself of like, you're going to do this. And, um, I thankfully had this mentality of just blindly following those in front of me, you know, like if my therapist told me to do something, I would do it. Um, if my, the people in my recovery group told me what worked for them, I would try it. Um, I just, I think I was very naive in a sense. And that, saved my life. Um, I didn't have any ego attached to it. Um, there wasn't any judgment of what people would tell me to do, um, which was huge. And I basically was just scared enough to just blindly trust. Six months is a long program. Do you think it was okay, easy, hard or hard to come out of that six months and back into the world doing it for yourself and not fall back into drinking? So for me, I did six months of an outpatient program. So when I started, um, I was still living uh, – in my college dorm, I was still in my sorority. I was still going to school. And then every evening I would drive like 45 minutes one way to go to my outpatient group. That was three hours every night. Um, and that was another thing that showed me how badly I wanted it because at my age, still surrounded by all these people I partied with, um, not being in a residential setting where I'm kind of in a bubble and protected, um, and basically simultaneously living my life while trying to dramatically change it, um, was really challenging. And my first, I think it was my first month, maybe my first two months, I was still going to parties. And I did have a little bit of a defiant piece in me of, I don't want to lose the life I had before. I just don't, I just won't drink anymore, you know? And 
they do tell people when you're getting sober that you do need to not hang out with the friends that you drank with. You need to not be in situations where there's alcohol. Um, and I just, that social piece was so important to me, just like it was in high school. Um, I just needed that so badly that I was really risking a lot. Um, so about 60 days into my recovery, I was at a party and I was such a hot mess that all of my friends wouldn't let me drink, right? Like they'd be like, don't give her anything. And, you know, so it's not like anybody was trying to get me drunk. I mean, they were all very much like keep the booze away from her. Um, so I was at a party and I was with some of my friends and I remember somebody had a beer, put it on a table or something. And I remember thinking, I can grab that beer and make it into the bathroom and lock the door without anybody getting me if I just go really fast. And then I had another thought that said, or you can get up and walk out and never come back to these parties again. And I did that. Um, and then I, that was when I went to, um, I had started going to 12 step meetings with that treatment center. And, um, I went to a meeting and I straight up shared and I said, I have no friends. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm super lonely and this sucks. And that night I had a bunch of people come up to me and talk to me and I started hanging out with some of those girls. And that was like the beginning of creating this really cool social life in the 12 step program. And making new friends who weren't doing the drinking and the partying. Yes. Making new friends that were healthy, making healthy relationships and being able to spend time with people who truly understood me like to my core without having to hide, without having to edit myself and being around people like that really helps remove the need to push all those feelings down because if there's no one around who's going to make me well not make me but if i'm not feeling triggered or censored or like i can't just relax and be myself then i don't feel like i have to hide or drown that with alcohol so when you were sober, you didn't feel like you needed to push away your feelings. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did. I still do. Um, you know, I, I'm a very anxious person. Um, I have a lot of anxiety. I still don't like feelings, um, you know, but I have the tools to approach it differently and look at it differently and understand it when it comes up. Like, oh, I'm feeling anxious. Where is this anxiety coming from? What do I need to do to help with this anxiety? Instead of just, oh my gosh, I'm anxious and implode. Yeah. So what are some of your tools and mechanisms to help um, deal, with, deal with these things now mentally? Yeah, a lot of it is, um, I, you know, I've done therapy on and off. Um, 
for a very long time. Um, you know, I got sober in 2003. So, um, and it was February. And so God willing, I will be 18 years sober in two weeks. Um, so I've been in therapy through on and off for that whole 18 years. Um, I have done and been in a 12 step program. Um, my, my program has looked differently. It's been kind of fluid throughout the years. Some years I'm going to meetings all the time and, and with my friends all the time. And some years, you know, I kind of fade out a little bit and I'm only, you know, going a little bit, but I, have always had a sponsor in a 12 step program. Um, I also always communicate with them. And so when I hit a wall of any kind, um, I will reach out to them and take their direction. Um, I have friends still who are in the program who I will call, you know, and ask for their information. And I mean, sorry, not information. I will call and ask for their um, guidance and their assistance in any sort of issue that I'm navigating. And a lot of it is just remembering that I can't do it alone. And I'm such a fiercely independent person. I don't want to depend on anyone. I don't want to have to count on anyone. And it's so frustrating to know that when I get into a problem, I have to ask other people for help. And even now I will still try and fix it on my own. And a lot of times I'll, I'll muck it up and make it worse. But I remember that I have to reach out and ask for help to really get through it. But there is such a strength in, even though you may be compelled even now, even 18 years later, to do the things that you once did like mm -hmm. drinking to excess that even now your mindset and your will and determination is so much stronger than even those um tendencies to drink too much and yes that's a really big thing and you may not be able you may not be doing it on your own but the strength that you have to keep doing it at all is, is really incredible. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And it is, it, it does take courage to not wallow in my own problems um, for fear of looking weak or fear of judgment or the ego of wanting to do it all on my own. And you find that um, the, the coping mechanisms that you now use are so much healthier and better for your body and your mind. Um, it, it would be really hard to, to go back to something that was so damaging. Yes, absolutely. And um... I'm very grateful to acknowledge, um, to completely acknowledge and embrace my alcoholism. Um, getting sober young, I had a lot of friends that I got sober with young. And when you get sober young, uh, it's easy. 
in your late 20s, early 30s to start thinking, well, I was a kid and maybe it was just, you know, teenage angst. Um, And so I've had some, a handful of friends that, you know, wanted to try drinking wine or, um, you know, just started drinking again, or, you know, some friends that were really into heavy drug use and they thought that maybe alcohol wasn't their problem. And so they started drinking again and then they started doing the drugs again. And I'm just so grateful that there's no part of me that doubts my alcoholism. It annoys me and I would love to be able to drink and I would love to have weekends where I can, you know, go out and drink and go to bars or whatever, but there's no part of me that thinks I wouldn't wind up in a blackout. I wouldn't risk someone's life if not my own. I wouldn't possibly wind up in the hospital. I mean, I know that my drinking is not normal and never will be even 18 years later. So how can you use this history and your story now throughout your life? How do you, um, how do you use that to be better? Um, so every day I'm focusing on just, you know, being a better human. Um, I think for me, it's kind of like how they say the sharks always have to be swimming. It's like, I'm always growing and changing, um, or else I freak out if I'm not doing something to move forward in my life. Um, so, uh, I did work in treatment for about 15 years. Um, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but there is the good, the bad, and and the really ugly side of treatment. Um, so I left be with, because I was not comfortable, um, kind of being a part of that industry, um, in certain ways, there are just some treatment centers that don't, handle things appropriately. Um, it is a business, but there's a lot of places that will put the money before the client. Um, there's a lot of places that risk clients. There's a client's health and safety and detox situations. There's a lot of places that are committing insurance fraud and have FBI raids. Um, so again, you know, it can be the good, the bad, and the really ugly. Um, so now what I'm hoping to do moving forward is um, act as a consultant for people who are trying to get sober and whether that be navigating the world of going into treatment and finding a treatment center that has a good reputation, that's going to be very safe and secure and really has the goal of helping them um, whether it be helping the family um, navigate getting their loved one into treatment or existing in their, in their life while their loved one is still actively drinking and how to navigate those feelings and what they can and cannot do. Um, or if it's just coaching with somebody who wants to start working on their sobriety or check in on their sobriety. Um, so I, I want to be able to start helping people on a more individual basis what a beautiful contribution you can make into these people's lives. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, 
All right. So if people want to reach you, I will link the contact details in the show notes. And if anyone was sitting on the fence about themselves or one of their family members coming off alcohol, what would you say? I would say to talk to somebody, if not me, someone else that is in recovery because that's what worked for me. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what recovery looks like. Like I said, when I got sober, I made the deal with myself. Okay, fine. You're never going to have fun again or laugh and life is going to just be this boring thing and you're just going to sit around and knit for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And that has not been the case at all. I mean, I've traveled, I've lived in a few different states. Um, I've had these amazing adventures and um, I've grown and I've discovered so much about myself and the world. And when I was drinking, I was in this tiny little box and getting sober helped me crawl out of the box and expand my world rather than shrink it like I thought it would. That's really, that's really quite powerful. Yeah. Uh, so what was the best piece of advice somebody gave you in your journey to become sober? Honestly, what's coming to mind uh, is my first few months into sobriety. I remember I called my sponsor in my 12-step program and I said, you know what? I appreciate all your help. I'm done. I'm going to drink. I'm not into this. This sucks. I'm done. And of course I called her and expected her to be like, Oh no, 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 don't like, let's get together and let's do some step work or let's blah, blah, blah. And instead she goes, okay. And I was like, wait, what? And she's like, if you need to drink, then go drink. Like, go ahead, go ahead. And if you want to go do some more drinking and see if you're an alcoholic, you don't think you're an alcoholic, whatever you need to do, it's your path. I'm here if you need me. Um, and she said, but I am going to let you know that you have 90 days sober. And right now you are able to help somebody who has less time than you do in recovery. And if you go get drunk, you are robbing that person who may need your help of your solution. And that blew my mind. Um, first of all, no one was telling me what to do. I mean, I'm a very rebellious person. So for her to be like, all right, fine. Definitely took a lot of the power out of it. Um, but to remember that now that I'm sober, I have the responsibility to turn back around and offer my hand to the person behind me. And I don't get to take that away from them was really powerful for me. And that really got me through that moment. Yeah. And I can imagine when you are in alcoholism, it's a really, um, you wouldn't hold a lot of value in respect for yourself in social situations or your, yourself health-wise and just for somebody to say, hey, you have so much value to yourself and somebody else 
would be would be quite remarkable. Yes, absolutely. Um, and when you're in that deep of you know that that deep alcoholism, you're also not thinking about anyone else but yourself. Um, you think you are, but you're not. So for me to even care enough about someone else um, was a huge piece for me, um, let alone care about their recovery when all I wanted to do was drink. So that was a big kind of pivotal moment for me as well to not only care about myself and my health and my recovery, but to give any sort of crap about someone other than myself. And now you will um, help so many people. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye. You too. Please share this story with anyone you feel may benefit from hearing it. Or if you or someone you know have your own story to share, feel free to drop me an email at m at mnedwards.media. Thank you.